Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world. I'm so excited about my guest today, Peter Smith. Peter Smith is a trailblazer in the field of human consciousness. Peter founded the Institute for Quantum Consciousness to embrace the synchronicities between some of the core principles of quantum physics and expanded states of awareness. Peter was the president of the Michael Newton Institute for Life Between Lives for 10 years and has trained consciousness practitioners across Europe, America, and Australasia. Peter's last book, Quantum Consciousness Journey Through Other Realms, documents the philosophies and methodologies and case studies behind journeys that embraces alternative realities, parallel lives, and interdimensional consciousness. I'm so excited about this. Peter balances his time between his own practice, mentoring the team that teaches his work, speaking engagements and writes for numerous publications. This is his story and this is his passion. Peter, welcome to Passion Harvest. Lovely to be here, Louisa. Oh my gosh, there's so many topics I'm excited to talk about, but I just would like to touch on your 10 years with Dr. Michael Newton and um, Life Between Lives, hypnotherapy. It, well, I guess nothing's in summary, but what what is it? Well, Life Between Lives has been around for a long time. Um, for those who haven't heard of it, this is the place where we go between incarnations. It's very well known that we reincarnate, that we live more than once. And if we look at things from a linear perspective, um, past life therapy is something that has been around for decades or mm-hmm. even thousands of years you could argue because some of the ancient cultures used to look at some of these things but if we take that linear view we have lived many times but what happens in between how do you debrief the one before how do you set up the next one and what happens in that strange bardo place well michael newton was the one that mapped the afterlife for the first time and he kept his work very quiet and he diligently built more and more research. Um, you know, he'd come through the PhD model and all of that back in the 70s. So he was very robust in his research. And um, he documented something like 7,000 case studies of people visiting the afterlife where they debriefed their last incarnation and set up potentially this one. And also clusters of themes that were um, relevant to that person across the lineage of their soul and because you're in between you've got that sweeping view across the soul lineage it's not one by one in terms of past lives and um, he started to track people and their journey across the whole of their soul lineage and all of that was accessible while they were still in body here not having to go back to the afterlife to find it all out actually being able to tap into that and find information that we need in this life that helps us to step further into our purpose. Through hypnotherapy. Yeah, it's a deeper state of, uh, of you know, I mean, these days, you know, I started life as a hypnotherapist, I guess, about 20 years ago. But these days, I like to think of it as more expanded states of awareness. Mm-hmm. Because hyp- hypnosis has um, 
certain connotations, I guess, and certain limitations, whereas we do not under an experienced hand. We are completely limitless and ready to surf the universe when we're, you know, when we're called to do so. So, uh, but it was done, yes, very much in a, a state of hypnosis that went down into what you would say uh, the theta brainwave patterns. Uh, we're in beta now, mm -hmm. alpha is light relaxation, theta is a very deep, profound relaxation, a bit like meditation, etc. as well. Um, delta, of course, being sleep. So to actually have somebody's consciousness active while they're in the theta range is something that takes a little bit of time and a little bit of skill to do so. But what it does is it opens portals to other dimensions and the afterlife being one of those to experience your pure soul presence that is beyond who we are in our human disguise is something that brings incredible awareness and great insight. And each person's life between lives is different for every individual. I mean, that's what I've found from um, interviewing people on near-death experiences. They're all such individual experiences. Absolutely. It's, it's like, you know, no we are this... Myth, one methodology. Well, there's, um, that's a good point because if I look at the number of cases that Michael did, which was 7,000, and then the people of the Newton Institute have done another 65,000 since because wow. we've got people in 40 uh, countries operating in something like 20 different languages. And I mean, no one compare, can compare individually with the 7,000 mm -hmm. that Michael did over his entire lifetime. But collectively, uh, our 200 odd people, um, 220, I think now, um, have accumulated another 65,000 cases in the last almost 20 years. So uh, for someone who's done, you know, I mean, I'm a tiny little piece of that at about 800, but I can tell you just from, from that group of experiences, which all go for around four hours, by the way, um, we might use a similar methodology to access that state of being, but once we get there, all bets are off and everybody has the most incredible, unique, remarkable experience that they're ready to have or, or destined to be part of. It's, um, as you say, it's both um, similar in the way that we get people there because we have a proven methodology. But once there, it's a beautiful, unique experience, much like the NDEs that you mentioned. This is fascinating. I could keep, I mean, I don't want to use the whole time on this because I would like to talk about <laughs> what you do as well. <laughs> um, is it your belief that we, oh, I think I know the answer, but is it your belief that we, we choose our lives and choose our soul's purpose in each life? I believe we do. I believe that we set the parameters for it, Louisa. Uh, we set some generalized intentions, but we never rob ourselves of the opportunity to express free will once we get there. It's like we set up the scaffolding and through our free will, we put the, the meat on those bones. Mm -hmm. It's like um, we will have predestined things that will happen. Um, I may deal with grief this lifetime so I may lose my parents early or I may be orphaned through a terrible accident and I'll know that that's going to happen and then my free will will, will cut in as to what sort of life do you create from that start point that you chose do you go into a, a life of um, depression and anxiety and carry the grief with you or do you find courage move through your healing and then in turn offer that to others as well so we have these critical pieces that are set in our life we incarnate into a certain family or a certain culture 
we may have uh, specific sole contracts that we're here to work with. doesn't mean we're here to do this in the sole contract. We're here to set it up in a way that allows the expression of our free will in how we respond in each of those moments during that sole contract. And some of those echo back across other lifetimes anyway. Yes, I just had that this visual image of, so, you know, basically we're on the highway, the highway's set, but there's many routes and avenues that we can choose to traverse. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, I mean, we are a universe that is based on free will and it's based on a collective consciousness. And even though we have this unique illusion of separation that you're there and I'm here and we're talking over Zoom, but, but you know, I can look out and I can see some mountains and I can see some cows in the paddock and, you know, I can move out there and close my eyes and, and just feel like I'm part of that landscape and I can feel the oneness of walking through a forest. But then I can, you know, drive into the little town down the road here and get cut off by somebody in traffic and that's an experience of separation. So we are both separate and connected at the same time, but it depends on where we bring our awareness to and what vibration we want to hold as we experience life. So do our thoughts create our reality? Wow, this is such an awesome question. Um, you know, what is it? You know, they talk, uh, quantum physics tells us all about the observer effect. Yeah. Um, our work with Michael and the Newton Institute tells us that we plan a life before we come here. When I'm in the here and the now, I have my free will. I believe that we hold a vibration of our choosing. Now I can, I can choose to have a good day or a bad day. And that comes from my mindsets, perhaps some of my baggage that I haven't cleared, whatever that might be, knowing where my triggers are, all that sort of stuff. But I can actually create the vibration of my day through my own intention. Um, whether I'm powered by the human intellect, whether I believe I'm, I'm stepping passionately into my purpose, which is, you know, your field, of course. So as I, as I choose to step into my passion, my day changes. As I choose to activate something that comes from deep within me, uh, I change in my vibration. When I change the vibration of what I hold, I emit different frequencies out into the world around me. If you, if you go into um, the supermarket in town here, and if I scowl at the poor person at the checkout, chances are they're going to feel pretty bad. But if I give them a, a smile, I can change their day because I can share with them a different frequency because we're all part of the same vibrational mix, the same landscape, if you like, when it comes to energy. And, I, and, and having said that, our external world is a reflection of our internal world. I do believe that. I do believe that. You know, when you can tell somebody who, who holds trauma, you know, I've been in this field now for about 20 years and, you know, I don't try to do it, but I can um, walk past somebody in the supermarket and, and I can feel the energy of that person and I can, I can feel and, and I can almost see the, the energy of their, that being. I say, wow, they've had some tough times in this life. And you can walk past somebody else and, and feel uplifted when you pass the got it together, somebody who lights up a room. We all know people like that. So that vibrational mix is something that is very powerful and something that is very present and something that is very much within the realms of our free will. 
And it sounds tough to say, but we can either choose to be a victim or not a victim. Absolutely. It's the only way to move on, I think. And look, society pays off on the victim mindset. You know, we tend to um, offer that person either sympathy or, you know, assistance, whether it be, you know, government assistance, financial, whatever it might be. But when we provide what we call in the in the therapist game secondary gain, like I know you don't want to get better because if you get better, you lose the benefits of um, holding that condition as part of your life. Now the victim mindset has great payoffs, but it's it's destructive internally. And you know, once you realise, and people do it unknowingly, but once they realise that it's there and they realise that it's holding them back, to be set free from that is something that really allows us to step forward in life. Sure does. Gosh, I'm digressing on all my questions here. <laughs> a final <laughs> one, and that I'd love to move on to all the incredible things that you're doing right now, but life between lives. Is it, is it your opinion that all our lives are happening now? This is so hard to get your head around. Okay. It's just fascinating. And, and we are built on linear time. And my, I'm sitting here and I'm 56 years of age, even though I might still feel about 30 inside, but I'm, I'm 56 <laughs> years of age. So, so, and I've got kids in their twenties, you know? Right. So I look at that chronologically, you know, my mum's 88. So I look at that and I see linear time and I, I know that you know, there's a weekend coming up and I've got this to do at that time, et cetera, et cetera. So, we live in the illusion of linear time because we need to have linear time around us so we can structure the learnings of this lifetime. But we are not linear time. And when I first discovered this, when I trained as a hypnotherapist originally, and I discovered that I could take somebody back to five years old when they had trauma and they would, you know, they would um, speak to me as a five-year-old. And, and, you know, so there was, there's something in the timelessness of once we get out of this conscious mind of ours and this this sort of um, present consciousness, we can leave uh, this linear time and move across time and space. The best way to illustrate the point is to tell a story. First time I did some past life type work, as I used to call it in the old days, and somebody was, it was the typical of people like you and me, you know, we've all been burned at the stake once or twice along the way somewhere. <laughs> so we end up, um, somebody persecuted as a healer, this person in particular was persecuted and executed by the, um, the authorities in the day for being a witch or probably a good old fashioned herbalist. And um, it's because they had a persecution complex in their clinical practice in this life. So we're releasing all of this. So I ask a question, I say, how many times you've been persecuted in your other lives for doing your purpose? Straight as a die, she comes out, she says 27. I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of pain. I said, well, Let's get all those 27 in here, ask them to join you. So all these 27 others come and they join from across time and space and they're all standing there around her and we're doing this healing across 28 lifetimes all at once. And then once they've got that and they've raised their vibration into this healed condition, they go back across time and space uh, in a totally different vibration from when they came and they go back and they take that vibration back into their life and they no longer carry that pain. Now that ripples out into the history of humanity and the collective consciousness of everything that's ever happened on this planet. So this is how we can change, not necessarily change history, but change the vibration in which it's held. 28 lifetimes of trauma become 28 lifetimes of courage. And that person goes and steps into their practice with these 28 courageous people standing alongside them in their clinical practice and they get on with the job. 
and it's amazing at the, you know I, I think i forgot who the saying was from but it's it changes seven generations so if you if you're changing 27 lives think of all the ripple effect of the the children the grandchildren the parents that's being changed oh absolutely if yeah yeah if time's not linear and everything's happening now does that mean the future's already occurred You know, Michael, um, Michael Newton found this as well, and, and I've found it in my own practice over the years. Because that session takes place in linear time, they come at two o'clock next Tuesday or whatever it is. It's like we are the snapshot in time where we do the work. Now, if we set the future to be one self-fulfilling prophecy, we miss out on so many opportunities for free will. And I think we can get an indication of what the future holds if things remain unchanged. But there are so many alternate realities uh, from those forks in the road that come through in life. And I've got a couple of um, good friends who are psychics and, and really good ones. And I've put this to them because I've trained them as hypnotherapists as well over the years. And I said, so what's the go with this psychic stuff you guys do? Um, I, do you just tell somebody what their future is, what you see, and does that make it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Do you rob them of their free will? Or how does this work? And they were both really clear to me. And they said, well, what we're, what we're seeing is we're seeing a possible future if things remain unchanged. So the conversation with that person is, is this is where it could go. If you want that, go for it. If you don't want that, you want something else. You need to change something in your life. So it becomes more of a coaching conversation about what is the vibration that you choose to create for your future rather than, you know, that's where you go and just surrender mm -hmm. to uh, what I saw. Now, I'm, I'm not sure that if I, I can't, I'm not psychic and I don't do those conversations, but I can only imagine that that's the conversation that is the most empowering one. Yes. Yes, I completely agree. It's based on the, the energies or the vibrations of the person at that time. And I, I believe that psychics are able to, I, I'm not going to use the word predict, but assume the most likely future, the closer the event is to happen. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's, I mean, everything that psychics do can really be mapped across into some of the key concepts of quantum physics. You know, they entangle with their client's energy field. They look at the alternate realities that may evolve outside of time and space, and, and they may be view one of them. Maybe it's a little bit of remote viewing. We all know the government's done a lot of that over the years, the CIA. Yes, they particular. have. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, what is it that a psychic's doing? I mean, they're doing some very natural quantum phenomenon. And if you, um, you know, if you take a, I think it was Michael Talbot in this incredibly good book called The Holographic Universe, that I read years ago, but he made a quote in there that was significant and I always remembered it. And he said, if you take a holographic view of the universe, the large and the small, etc., and the three-dimensional, two-dimensional representation, if you take a holographic view of the universe, then the paranormal simply becomes normal. My view, of course, is that we're all supernormal and that um, we can create whatever we want and that we are limitless in our beings and that once we surrender the human limitations, the universe is ours. I love that. I love that. And that's a great segue onto quantum consciousness. <laughs> what is it? What does it entail? I'm so excited to hear more about it. 
Well, quantum consciousness, and, and a lot of people have used that term, and, and everyone who uses the term quantum consciousness will give you a totally different definition, I'm sure, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll offer you mine because that'll help set context for other conversation that we'll have. For my mind, quantum physics is the science of possibilities. Finally, someone in science is saying, well, this could just be an illusion. We might be in sort of a simulation here. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, time, time doesn't really exist. It's a human construct. And thus, every time we make a, a choice, we create a, another reality. And the, you know, the collapse of the wave function doesn't necessarily happen into one particular value. It continues on and creates things into the multiverse. So these are conversations that scientists are having from the double slit experiment and, and all that. So my interpretation of quantum physics is that it's the science of possibility. And I believe that consciousness is the fabric of the universe. We live in a universe that is, um, that is built of energy. And if you look at the universe, I, I try and keep things really simple, Louisa, because that helps me understand them better. Me too. Okay. So... <laughs> So I believe that energy is the infrastructure of the universe. And I believe that consciousness is what brings it to life. It is the lifeblood of the universe itself. And it is this floating ocean of possibilities that sits on the infrastructure of energy. And our awareness is where we choose to take our consciousness in any given moment. Now, as consciousness, if we are, we are consciousness, we're part of the ocean. It's like Rumi said, you know, the, you are the ocean and you are the drop. Well, that's mm-hmm. us. We are the universe in ecstatic motion, which was another one of his, um, his wonderful sayings. They so should have done T-shirts back in the 1300s when yeah. Rumi was alive. So um, quantum consciousness is the science of possibilities and the fabric of the universe coming together into an experience that shows us that we are completely limitless and that we can simply move within to discover our magnificence and allow that to take us where we need to go in in any given moment. And your quantum consciousness experience, what does that that involve? After many years years as a therapist, I thought, you know, if, if somebody comes in and they've got trauma and I had some absolutely fantastic ways to release trauma and I'd go in there and I'd release the trauma and we'd both move up in our vibration and I would help to help them to step up I discovered years later than rather than go looking for the trauma if you go looking for the magnificence everything becomes easier so if somebody comes into my clinic and they may have some issues they may want to explore they may want to heal they may want to do anything and I sit here in this vibration and I look at that person and I see them as the absolutely remarkable limitless being that they are the spiritual being who came here to have all of these experiences as a way to learn Uh, and for their soul to evolve and I hold that space for them and I entangle with them and we become one energy field they start to move before I've even said a word okay for the first time in that person's life they may be in the presence of somebody who actually absolutely sees and knows firsthand of their magnificence now we teach our practitioners to do that our our quantum consciousness and our facilitators it's a hard vibration to hold yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the secret is to hold it for yourself first. Because mm. when it's true for you, it's true for everybody. Of course. It's almost like a so, tuning fork. That's it. 
Yeah. So if you hold that vibration, that person starts to shift before you even start to use any of the the, um, the philosophies or the techniques that we've put in place over the years. So that person is um, is already on their way towards rediscovering their magnificence. So rather than chase the traumas, if we chase the magnificence, we bring it into their line of sight. We show them that they're the spiritual being having the human experience. We show them the incredible light that they have within them. We transcend across time and space. You know, rather than look at what's wrong when you were five and the person might be 40, mm -hmm. let's bring your 45-year-old in and show them your magnificence from the timeline that they've um, they've tuned into because they just move into the vibration. They're quantumly entangled with their 45-year-old because they're made of the same subatomic particles at one level. So you can quantumly entangle and through your intention, you draw that 45-year-old to you that has found her magnificence because she's, she's one of those timelines. So you claim that as your self-fulfilling prophecy, you bring it in, you import that vibrational frequency into the now, that person blends with that frequency and all of a sudden the five-year-old is not distressed anymore because the, the, the frequency of that trauma can't hold as the vibration shifts. It's like the old, you know, everyone talks about the old radio dial, mm -hmm. you know, um, you, know you, you switch it to a different station and the other station's gone. Still out there somewhere, but as far as you're concerned, it no longer exists. And you just uh, listen to the station that's got the cool music. Look, I completely get it. it, it I mean, it's amazing that you're able to do this. I can't even imagine how it's facilitated. It. And, and, and the body, mind, soul, natural state of being, it wants to heal itself, I guess. Um, <laughs> and I'm not being negative, but the question is, when they go back into their daily life, they have to change everything. They have to change their thoughts, their words, their beliefs, the, the way they see the world, which is the hard part, I guess. You know, um, if you look at the equivalent of a near-death experience, and my mum had one of these when I was a kid, and she um, was on the operating table and she passed. We floated out of her body, did the tunnel, whole thing, came back because she had three kids, <laughs> came back for us. From that moment, she was forever changed. She had a spiritual experience that was absolutely, totally and completely life-changing. Back in the old days, even when I used to do past life work in, its, um, in the infant stages of my hypnotherapy stuff, you know, you take somebody to another lifetime, you take them to their final moments in that life, you allow them to lift outside their body. They feel what it's like to have the pull back into spirit. Uh, the life between lives work or, you know, look at Michael Newton's specific work mm -hmm. in that part of the session. Fear of death's gone. And if you don't fear death, how does that ripple into your life? You know, and, um, and what happens when, I mean, what does it do for grief? If you actually know that that person has gone home to spirit and that there's one hell of a party celebrating their life on the other side, let alone what happens on this side, you know, we have, um, we have sadness and we have funerals and we have grief. That's for the living. When people pass, there's none of that on the other side. And a, a medium will tell you that. A life between lives facilitator will tell you that. Anyone who's ever had a near-death experience will tell you that. Eben Alexander will tell you that. Um, Anita Morjani will tell you that. The people that have written great books about it. Mm -hmm. Ray Moody will tell you that. His research was fantastic. I've had a few of them on so, the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great people, great people. Um, Eben's um, really taken with the LBL work. He loves it. 
So, um, you know, we've had some, some conversations uh, with Ray as well. So, you know, we're all of the same opinion that death is an illusion. And once you've lost the greatest fear that underpins all fears, what does that do to change your life? So I'm circling back around in a long way to your question. So when you say, um, how is this different in your life? When you've had a transcendent experience, there's no turning back. You always, always, always know that there is more to you than you thought, more to you than you've ever been told, and that you are something beyond this, you know, well-chosen and often very helpful human disguise. Well, well, thank you for answering and clarifying that. (laughs) I just wanted to touch on, and and I I believe you talk about it in your book, Alternate Realities. Is that different timelines? I'm I'm sorry, I'm even answering your que- the question, my own questions. <laughs> I'll leave you to answer. What is alternate realities? Well, <laughs> I appreciate the research you've done. <laughs> my thought is that what I've heard people tell me over many years in practice is that they came to a fork in the road and it was a big decision and their soul went in two directions so it could learn more. Okay. Let me give you an example. Always best with an example. Okay. One of the workshops that we did years ago, we had a, and this is in the book, um, wonderful lady called Claire, trained as a hypnotherapist, came through, wanted to learn this work. And, um, you know, when when you're in a big class, you say, okay, let's have a look at how this works. Let's do a live demonstration. Who would like to volunteer? (laughs) So Claire comes forward. And um, Claire's situation was that uh, she was... um, living in South Africa when she was younger and she was um, about to get married to a man that she didn't really love. All the big families were flying in from all over South Africa, a big wedding planned. Anyway, the night before her wedding, she ran off with the guy she really loved and they put their backpacks on and they just left town and they ran um, and followed their hearts. It sounds like an awesome movie script. So um, obviously it took a bit of time for all of that to settle down. And the two of them had um, two beautiful sons together. Um, they formed a great life. Later in time, they went their separate ways, uh, respectfully, but they had this amazing thing. So Claire's alternate reality, Claire's decision, what if I hadn't run? What if I'd gone through with the wedding? So what we do is we create um, an expanded awareness in Claire that allows her to access the other timelines. And um, her intention was to meet the her that was um, that went through with the wedding so in a sort of a, a place beyond time and space her consciousness meets the consciousness of the other timeline the two of them have a conversation and the other lady comes forward and she presents as somebody who is very depressed um, she never had any children she's old beyond her years and she's not in a very good way at all so she takes great heart that there was a part of her that was courageous enough to run off with the other fellow and go go with their backpacks so the two of them have this conversation across time and space where um, she helps Claire know that um, she made the right decision. Now, for 30 years, Claire had carried deep and profound guilt for what she'd done that day. Even though she followed her heart, yeah. the impact back on family and all of that was, um, was all about guilt. So in that moment, her guilt just evaporated. 
Now, with the lady in the other timeline, Claire brought through the consciousness of her sons. So this lady could see that on another timeline, she'd actually had children. And that helped her to heal and to lift her depression. So we always set, a, set, a, set out on the path of these sessions to raise the vibration of both parts that meet. Okay, so, so Claire released her guilt. The other Claire released her depression and went back across time and space. Claire came back. You know, we had 20 people in the room that day. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. I'm probably not articulating in a way that's going to make your people cry, but that's what happened. But you're doing a, you're doing a great job of explaining it. Thanks. Okay, good. So, so um, you know, and when the book was published and Claire was a case study, it was three years later, and I said to her, you know, I want to use your case. It was just such an amazing day. And I did, yeah, yeah, sure, Pete, sure. And and I said to her, hey, go and she says, I still can't find the guilt three years later. That's great. So really life changing, but so both Claire's are, I mean, I don't even like the term real, both Claire's are consciousness, but she's choosing to focus her consciousness on the Claire that ran off and married the love of her life or for a while anyway. Yeah. So they're both happening in parallel timelines. Yeah. And if you look at the fact that the two of them are now holding a higher vibration than before, It's got to be good for the universe, Louisa, because the collective consciousness of everything in the whole universe comes to a sum total of something. So anytime we do anything that helps ourselves, we're actually repairing the consciousness of the universe itself. Look, I absolutely agree with that. So whether we're conscious of it or not, we're all experiencing parallel lives there might be multiple versions of louisa absolutely interesting and and they will continue to emerge you know there's lots of louisas there's lots of pete's there's lots of everybody that's listening and for you to stop for a moment and just to to meditate and tune into one that has the answers for you. There's got to be another you out there that has the answer to whatever question that you may ever have that has already solved the problem that you're facing. I mean, this is, um, this is fascinating, empowering work for people to really know if you don't have the answer, another you does, which means you have it already. You have everything that you need and it simply needs to be remembered. And this is why we talk about remembering your magnificence because it it exists in so many places already. You've just got to intend to find it and be facilitated in a way that allows it to come to you. Well, I I think it's Hawkins. I love it that he says um, there has to be an answer. To ask the question, there already has to be an answer for it. Absolutely. So not only is Louisa or Pete having parallel lives, my other past lives we're just going to turn them term them past lives having parallel lives as well sure absolutely so i mean if you look at your um who makes you up what are the dimensions of you when we move out through the realms of consciousness Mm -hmm. there are there are pieces that are you know in i'll call you our louisa okay as the present consciousness that takes the journey we go through stored consciousness and what do you hold from when you were five or 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever that may be? What do you hold in that space that either holds you back or is a source of hidden power? So 
we ask any aspect of you to come forward, that meets our intention for you to remember your magnificence. Make that the intention of the session. So a five-year-old might come forward and help you remember what freedom is. A 15-year-old might come forward and just need some reassurance that we all need it when we we're 15. So all of that is something that may happen in that first realm. From there, we move into the alternate realities. And, you know, where are the forks in the road and where are the powerful parts of you out there that would be helpful for you to meet? Or is there one out there that wants to meet you so that you can help them? And there's always an exchange. Even though you might help them, they'll offer you gratitude for that. So again, it raises the vibration of both parties. When we get to the past lives outside of time and space, we'll call them parallels for now. When we get to the parallels, that's where they come forward. And, and what are the, the hidden pieces of magnificence that you've tucked away across time and space in other bodies that might be helpful to you in the now? Are there any themes across those other parts of you that are ready to you know, uh, be released? Those themes and how many lifetimes are involved? But then everything changes when we get out to the next one, the interdimensional consciousness, because we ask the question of where has your consciousness resided before or where does it exist in the universe now that is in a different form or a different dimension? And we have people that go to water worlds. We have people that are in a group consciousness, people who feel that their energy just moving through the universe itself. You know, I pulled 100 cases out of our case files and presented this stuff over in America. Uh, when was it? 2019. And, you know, people are just looking at me and saying, you know, this is 100 out-of-body experiences that we need to interdimensional consciousness. And there's key themes that come out. You know, it's um, existing in a different form of body, often on a water world, a lot of amphibious life across the universe. It's about being part of a group consciousness that doesn't have the separation that we have here on Earth. Um, you know, their consciousness is more joined with something else. And the third is to exist in energy. Of the hundred cases I put forward, um, that covered about 75% of them. That, you know, these are the types of experiences that we have when we're not in human form. And then we move out even further and blend with the universe itself and just get that sense of oneness in what it's like to be out there and to be actually blended with the all there is. What's that feel like? And to have that experience while you're still in body, to have an out-of-body experience while still in body is something that beats an, a near-death experience and much better for the medical bills as well, usually. Exactly, no trauma. So, <laughs> that's right. And um, because this is who we are, and the secret of this work is to remember, simply remember who we are, and you are Louisa, but you are so much more. So as we expand your awareness out beyond Louisa and we bring all of this other information uh, readily available to you because you're entangled with it all anyway, because it's all other aspects of you, as you become more than you believe yourself to be, what is the, the wisdom that awaits you there? What are the solutions? Uh, what is the knowledge that will help you as Louisa as you step further into your life with a, a beautiful sense of energy and purpose that comes from beyond you? Peter, I don't, I mean, this is just such an incredible body of work that you've compiled. Do you feel, maybe it's from your multiple cells, but not one man can create this body of work alone in one lifetime? Well, I'm, I guess I'm a sitting, I'm a team sitting here, really, aren't I? You are. Well, you'd <laughs> have you, to be. How, if, I mean, how do you even you, get? If you follow the theory. <laughs> I look, I, I, pay, um, I pay homage to Michael Newton, who um, 
you know, he was an incredible mentor for me. He passed in 2016. Yeah, and, what a uh, remarkable man. Yeah, and, and his wife passed just last month as well, which was, um, you know, she she's joined him now out there in the greater universe and, and they were both remarkable people. Um, every great trailblazer needs a good sounding board and Michael certainly had that in his wife, Peggy. But what he did was he he fractured the fabric of reality as we knew it. Everyone had talked about this in between or this bardo or, the, you know, I went into the light, the light's great. Mm-hmm. But he actually mapped through the light and out the other side. So he showed us uh, that we are multidimensional, that we exist both in spirit and we exist here because he accessed it through 7,000 clients who were still in body. So he proved to the world that you can be out of body and in body at the same time, which means you're immediately multidimensional. Right. Now, he and I had some fantastic conversations over the years as I worked with him and we kicked around a lot of stuff and he mentored me a lot and he pointed me towards books like the holographic universe I mentioned before. So um, what I did was I just started to build on what he taught us. Uh, Well, if we're in more than, if we're in two places, how many more are we in? So if you're in two, you're in three, four, five, six, seven and and a limitless number. And, and the beauty of this is, um, my greatest teachers have been the clients, Louisa, I have to say. It's been the Claire's of the world who have mm-hmm. showed me their magnificence um, because I could only explore it through them. I had to do the human thing while they did um, they did the whole expanded awareness thing. Um, you know, we've got a, a strong team at the Institute for Quantum Consciousness as well. We've got, you know, 25 people who are doing this work around the world now. Um, 30 now I think it's more actually I think it's about 50 I'm just trying to run the numbers in my head we've got them all on a listing but in the Newton Institute there's there's 220 people at the Newton Institute doing this and some of them work with me at the Institute for Quantum Consciousness as well we're out there um, exploring the edges of reality and pushing through into other dimensions retrieving that information offering it to people um when I, I can't say that we're doing a whole lot of research papers under the scientific method because I find the replication of the scientific method restrictive on clients' out-of-body journeys. So um, we're, we're blowing holes in reality and shoving people out there into the universe to find their magnificence. And I've got to tell you, once they get out there, they don't want to come back. Yeah. And, and the other thing which I've found... Well, in my personal experience and in interviewing people, sometimes it's very hard to articulate in words the actual experience itself. You know, um, we're speaking English at the moment, maybe, maybe Aussie English a little. <laughs> um, and so often I have people telling me, I just, I just can't put it into words. And I say, you don't have to just be in it and I'll give you some time. And they just drift into a place of bliss and they experience that. Um, and I say, just take as long as you like and I'll, I'll be here when you get back. And I'm, and I'm both with them and not with them mm-hmm. because they, they feel my presence supporting them and holding the knowing for them, as we call it, while they remember who they really are beyond these human disguises that we've also carefully selected to come here and get some stuff done. Oh, my gosh, this is just such incredible, exciting work. Uh, so where do people find you and uh, do you do this work remotely? 
Yeah, I do some Zoom sessions through the satellite dish on the roof. Okay. Um, so I've started to do some of those. Uh, one thing that the circumstances around the world have done over the last um, 18 months is that a lot of people have started to do online work, um, particularly those of us who said that they'd never really do online work, which was probably me about three or four years ago. Okay. Um, we're getting the same results online that we would get face to face in our clinics. You just you're starting and to no ask all the questions now. That. I was just about to ask you that question. <laughs> is there any question? I mean, I've asked a lot of questions. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience? I believe we're all here in these times, Louisa, to raise the vibration of this planet and its people. And I believe there's not a single person on the entire planet that hasn't taken that into account before incarnating in these times. And I really want to encourage people to do just the little things to raise your vibration. And people have been put under incredible pressure in this last year. And a lot of people will talk about whether that was necessary, unnecessary. None of that matters. What matters is our response to it and the vibration that we hold as we are tested. And, you know, to go bare feet on the back lawn, you know, to go for a walk on a beach, you know, to, to, um, to eat something healthy, to sing emotional expressions that raise our consciousness are just so important. To do a, a couple of those little things a day, you know, to drink some clear water that doesn't have any fluoride or uh, any other things in it. For you to be able to do those little things, all of that contributes to the changing consciousness because you're raising the vibrational frequency of who you are. And when we all do those little things, the whole of humanity changes. And that's really what we're here to do. That's great. I'm just thinking, thank you so much for sharing that because it's, you know, kind of woo-woo to say, oh, great, raise your consciousness, but you're actually giving practical tools and tips, which is what everyone wants. And they're so simple that we can do every day. Yeah. Um, smile at somebody. You smile know, at yourself. Make you wear a mask, take it off and smile. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. And to, you know, to look in the in the mirror of the morning and say thank you for being here in these times uh, this is a tough school this planet is a difficult one and um, we know that from michael newton's work i've seen it validated so many times in my clinic people who in incarnate here are the courageous ones and courageous people don't respond to fear so you're courageous just by being here in the first place so don't worry about all of the fear that we've been fed over this last 12 or 18 months you know, look at it and say, well, what's a courageous response to that? And, you know, when we all respond courageously, you know, the whole of humanity goes into a, a, a different type of energy than what we've been shown. And, you know, people say to me, how do I, how do I avoid the fear that's permeating the world? And I say, well, good start to turn your television off. Yeah. And just, you know, go in, don't do external with that sort of stuff, go internal. You know, remember your magnificence. Remember the decision that you made to incarnate here in the first place. And remember that you came here to make a difference. And just by being here, you do so. And it's what you do after that, that is the, the free will that you have the opportunity to express every moment of every day. 
Well, what a wonderful message, Peter Smith. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest and thank you for sharing your journey with us. It's been very, very insightful. I can't wait to re-listen to this interview. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here, Louisa, and, and I've, I've seen your work and I've seen the great things that you're offering to people. And, you know, just to listen to one of these podcasts is something that helps people and it raises the vibration in the exact way that I'm discussing. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what we all should be doing. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Peter. Bye for now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.